All right, guys. Today we welcome to the podcast super fan thriller reader Ben, who is the self-proclaimed redneck of reason. You can find him on Twitter at redneck of reason seventeen seventy six. Thanks for joining us, and I'd love to know what makes you the redneck of reason. So when I moved back down to Tennessee, I'm from Alabama. I've grown up. Everybody's like, "Oh, rednecks, rednecks, rednecks from the south." And I was just like, I mean, I'm a blue collar worker from Tennessee and up here in the mountains. And I was like, a lot of people don't really have conversations anymore. And they just kind of go at each other and just attack, attack, attack. I feel like there's an area where people can actually have dialogue. And I try to bring that to some situations. Wow, this is a novel thing, Ben. Like, I... I... (laughs) out more like i i try to argue the same thing but you know that's a different podcast we can have but that's great (laughs) yeah so i guess that makes me the anthony cook of the situation then because i'm not reasonable (laughs) (laughs) oh anthony Uh, cook well ben you came to our attention on the podcast and got a shout out a couple episodes ago when we found out from the atrium mystery bus david For anyone who doesn't know, he was Vince Flynn's publicist and continues as Kyle's publicist and is just one of the best in the business uh, working for Simon & Schuster. And he highlighted you on on social media for finishing all 21 Mitch Rap books, including the newest one, Oath of Loyalty, in just three months. That's got to be a record. Tell us about that. So interesting story i guess we were at the beach in june and everybody was reading and i was bored and i was tired of being on my phone it's like i haven't read in a while and so when i got home i saw jack carr somewhere i don't know if it was on social media or if it was on a podcast talking about his books so i picked it up um i started with terminalist and i read through jack's books before the show came out um and in jack's books he mentions different characters reading brad thor's new paperback etc and uh i was like oh i'll check out brad thor so i went through the entire scott harvath series and right about that time i started seeing tweets and stuff about mitch rap oath of loyalty and i was like oh i'll check these out and i was like oh man there's a new one coming out i need to race through these and so i just started reading through them and kind of found thriller twitter and i was like oh this is kind of a cool place so that turned into that, and I just got through about a book every day and a half, two days. Wow. Yeah, it took us, Mike, how, what, how many, I mean, we obviously read them um, the first time around faster, but how long did it take us to cover the, the entire Mitrap series? A year and a half, two years? Uh, yeah, I mean, it was it was two years, and we were going at the pace of a book a month, so then a couple of breaks. I need to there. do that next. Um, I'm growing, going through Brad Taylor's books right now, and as soon as I finish those... I'm going to go back through the very beginning and read them all the way through again, just slowly like digesting it and really getting the nuances. Yeah. It's on, it's on the reread that you really begin to like appreciate some of these things, you know, cause like at, at some point when I first started reading them, I was kind of just like, I wanted to get on to the next. It was, I, I'm, I'm a completionist. So like, mm-hmm. even if I pick up a book and I don't really, I'm not really digging it, I, I have to finish it. And hell if it's a series, like I just, I have to end up finishing that, that entire series, series, even if I, you know, I'm not total vibing with it. Mm-hmm. But so were you reading these or audiobooks or a combination? So it was a hybrid. So I'm okay, a blacksmith. Nice. So at, at work, I'm in, a, I'm in the shop wearing headphones and stuff. And so like during the day, I could probably get 
three to four hours of listening in. Nice. And that would get me to about the halfway point in most of the books. And I could finish them that night reading the books. So it was really good. And then like on the weekends, I would just read the books only. So I'd say, oh, I read all of Consent to Kill, Memorial Day, uh, The Last Man, and Transfer of Power. And then most of Kyle's I read all the way through. Oh, wow. Cool. That's so cool. Heck of a list right there. I get we can we can go into any of those series, but I guess well since we're you know covering out the loyalty now, this is the Mitrap Pod for the moment. You know, just to ask you a couple of questions. What what was your favorite book? Um. Oh, and I guess no. Sorry, the first question I have to say: Did you read them in publication order or chronologically? Chronologically. Okay, so you started with American Assassin. Okay. Yes. Going back, I probably start with Term Limits and go through, like the entire thing. Um, or what was the first book? Um, yeah, Term, term Limits. limits. And transfer yeah, power. just Transfer yeah. Power. And then, yeah. But I guess, favorite book. I, re- I really, really loved Oath. I, I loved it. It was incredible. Um, but I'd say, I really enjoyed Memorial Day and Consent to Kill. But probably... The Last Man, I would have to say, just Vince's last book, but going into Survivor, just those two books back to back, I really enjoyed the arc. Um, and it just, The Last Man was just a really, really well written book. Yeah. Now, you, you, you touched on our two, three of our top favorites. So, yeah, I, I can't disagree with any of those ones you brought up. And most fans, I don't know about you, Chris, but I haven't really spoken to any fans who, started reading reading the series that recently. And so for you, I'd imagine you had a much more immediate way of feeling which were Kyle books, which were Vince books, where for most of us, mm-hmm. that was a year long, pro- years long process, even a mm-hmm. decades long process, you know, how long Kyle's been at it now almost. Absolutely. So what, what was it like when you got to that point? Uh, how did you feel getting into the survivor did you even know or recognize that it switched over to Kyle was that something you were thinking of or did the series kind of just flow seamlessly for you into the next few I mean it flowed seamlessly yes but I also was aware of the switch um because I had interacted some with Kyle uh because I got named an ambassador when I was mm, probably in extreme measures um, so I started interacting with Kyle in the community on Twitter. I was like, Oh, where's the switch? I want to see kind of where Kyle goes. But yeah, it was, it was really weird reading Vince's last book because it was my Twitter reactions and stuff were all instantaneous. As soon as I finished the last page, I just type something. Yeah. Um, but man, when Vince at the end of last man, that was just, that book was awesome, but going into Kyle's, um, I think it made it, I think the survivor was more emotional than the last man because you right. kind of go, it's Kyle's first book. You realize that Vince is done. It's a different style. And then what happens with Stan at the end, uh, I've survived the survivor is just like, uh, cause the way he went was just perfect. I, I absolutely yes. love that. That's how he got to go out. So yeah, it was really cool making that transition to Kyle and then seeing immediately what different things Kyle did from Vince and which way he was taking character development and storyline development was interesting. Yeah, I think even though Kyle 
has a distinctive voice in the series. The Survivor is probably his most Vince Flynn-like book, the most Flynnian mm-hmm. book, and that was out mm-hmm. of necessity. He speaks mm-hmm. about the the research and effort he he put in to do that. And I, I'm glad he's found his own his own voice, but he's been really, really sharp in picking up Vince's loose ends. Like you said with Stan mm-hmm. Hurley, like The Last Man was a swan song. Like I really mm-hmm. felt Vince poured so much of himself into that book. And he very clearly had Stan Hurley at his end. And for Kyle to pick that up and realize he, he's got to close that loop was brilliant. And then also Louis Gould reappearing, you know, all the way from from earlier times. You know, there's a reason Vince did that. There's a reason he put Louis up against Mitch. And Kyle recognized that and decided to mm-hmm. to run with it and build it on it. So I just I don't know how you do that. You pick up from someone like that and so yeah. depthly you know, it's almost like you you could read their mind and where they wanted to go, and Kyle was able to just pick it up. I thought the Stan Hurley ending was really interesting too because it kind of closed the full circle of life of their relationship. Like Mitch went to Stan to learn how to harness his anger, whatever, learn the skills to go get revenge on the person who killed his fiance. And in the end, Stan is there to kill the person who killed his wife. It's just like, right. It's a very cool circle. Yeah. Speaking, speaking of loose ends, Mike, um, maybe we can talk about this a little bit later, Ben, but did you feel like this book, the current one, Oath, like he was, Kyle was just tapping into a, a lot of like just feelers from all the way back to transfer of power we're talking about. Yeah, it was pretty cool how he just brings things around because he does it through all the books where he writes. Like every single one of them has some little nugget just come, like his research of what Vince created is just very impressive. Yeah, I guess I guess he tries to do that to show that he's not uh he's not lazy. You know, he's not like, all right, this is my series now. Like, no, mm-hmm. this this is all based on a on a history and especially mm-hmm. for people like us who, you know, we maybe care about these books a little, a little bit. No, I don't, don't want to say too much, but you know, more than your average reader. And so yeah. when we read them and we we read those things, we actually appreciate those little tidbits more than just, you know, someone who's picking it up off, you know, your mm-hmm. airport uh, book stand if, if people still do that or you know downloading it on kindle while you're waiting for your for your next plane ride right yeah i appreciate you guys being very vague there uh just to <laughs> catch up the audience <laughs> <laughs> i'm still only halfway through oath of loyalty these two you know, young men here have finished the book they're dying to talk about it and i'm sure you the audience wants to hear them talk about it so uh, shortly soon here, a few more questions. I'll back out giving you guys the room to get into Oath of Loyalty. And, you know, we could post this with spoilers so you guys can share your thoughts on it. But um, appreciate it. I haven't there. actually talked to anybody else about it yet. So it's going to be fun. <laughs> and then, Chris, we have a couple of hours left of recording to do. We're going to do that. So down the road here, Golly. just a few days on the pod, you'll get to hear us talk about it, too. Yeah, kind of like you, uh, Ben. I um, I only almost exclusively do audiobooks now. I like to read, but it's just with I have four kids and it, it's kind of hard. So on on my commutes, I have about like an you know hour to an hour and twenty commute. I just you know am just doing audiobooks, and so I mm-hmm. I, I read the first half because we got the arc. So I read the first half, and then as soon as it was available, I I got the audiobook, and I just. I, I crushed it in like a, a, you know the rest in one one day. So 
I'm going to listen to the audio book on Saturday, I think. My wife's going out of town, so I'm going to have the whole day just to listen. Nice. I guess we can yeah. talk about just audio books in, gen- in general. Yeah, George, um, how have you felt, you know, I feel like he's, with these last couple books, he's been really hitting his stride with, yeah. you know, just, I don't know, what, you, you just speak on like what you what your experience with the audio books has been. It, I mean, great. George's voice is just awesome um wasn't there one that he didn't do um yeah what was that enemy of the state was it was scott brick right yeah and it was just weird because mitch's voice in my head was just so ingrained with george's voice um and it's been really cool and that's not that's something i hadn't even actually thought about was like his development as the person who's bringing this to life just the way he puts more and more into the characters um and it feels authentic, even though he's voicing other characters and everything like his voice is Mitch's voice. And the way he did, just the way he reads and the way he performs the book, I guess, um, it's just awesome. I was just going to say you, you came off the Jack Carr books as well. If you did those in mm-hmm. audiobook, I feel mm-hmm. like Ray Porter, what an amazing actor and, and really oh. killed that series. Or as Jack would say, he crushed it. But yeah it's just like such different universes that I'm mm-hmm. glad the narrators, their voice and skill set also goes with their particular universe. I'm mm-hmm. pretty sure Jack Carr was offered George Goodell as one of the options. And he immediately said, it sounds too old. And that's not a criticism that that's true of the rap series. The rap series is like the grandfather for a lot of yeah, series right. like Jack Carr and James Reese. They're the younger generation. Yeah. Um, that's a cool series, but yeah, now, we we recently got a chance to talk to George. Um, and you know, he obviously he, he calls it, you know, he's not reading, he's performing. He is, he considers himself and he is an actor, you know? Um, mm-hmm. and you could tell when he was talking to us, he had just finished recording this and Ooh. he really cares about, you know, or at least, I don't know, maybe he was lying to us, but I, I don't think he, he was, you know, he, he seems to know he's been with the series since almost the very beginning. And, mm-hmm. you know, he, he, he mentioned that how, how he really liked this book and how he thought, you know, how Kaya was getting, getting, touching things right with the times. And, you know, he, he was enjoying seeing Mitch evolve, but, you know, you said how each narrator has their own distinct universe. We're also currently going through all the Brad Thor books, and George has done a, a few of the early Brad Thor books, and yeah. I really like Armin Schultz, and I, I really like George too. And when George did, well, I guess he just did the last two we did, right? It was a blowback and um, enemy State of the Union, uh, State of the Union. And as I'm reading it, especially State of the Union, which had like a very Vince Flynn feel to it, I'm like. Am I reading a Mitch Rapp? I feel like I'm reading a Mitch Rapp or listening to a Mitch Rapp book, you know, not, yeah. but it's, you know, Scott Harvath is present in it. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it just, you, you get these in your head and, you know, you, you just become so ingrained with it, mm-hmm. especially with people who are super fans or mega readers like us. Oh man, I'm jealous that y'all are going through Brad Thor's books. I love that series. <laughs> Scott yeah. Harvath's awesome. And that's going to take us a while longer. We're only on what, Chris, book five and they're... Is he also up to 21 books? I think he's up to 22. Yeah, 20, 22 yeah. now. Yeah. Did you read Rising Tiger, Ben? The yes, new I did. It was sick. Yeah. It was awesome. Yeah, we both really liked Rising Tiger. And it, it was interesting how in the community, it, wasn't, it didn't seem to be as popular as some of his other ones. 
don't know. I like I like the fresh take on it. Yeah, and the way he writes just about political things and what's going on in the world, it's just very. He does a very good job of making it. It's so possible that it's just like, oh, that yeah, that could really happen. Yeah, he's constantly pump, pumping out on his, on his Twitter or Instagram, like straight out of Black Ice or straight out of Rising yeah. Tiger, you know, yeah, like thriller version of The Simpsons. Yeah. <laughs> Thinking back on it, there's I, I loved Rising Tiger and you, you can listen to our pod about that on season two, yeah. Scott Harvath podcast. But thinking back on it, he edited a lot down out of that book. It ended up being pretty skinny, I feel like, and read really quick. And I'm I'm, I'm thinking back, like, I want more of India and China and, you know, I want more of the geopolitics and and he can deliver on that so well. I I just hope that it's not getting edited down too much to be more accessible to a wider audience who'd get bored Mm -hmm. by that. But man, I can eat that stuff up. Absolutely. Yeah. I kind of felt the same with this new book because it's only 50 chapters and it read really fast. And when uh-huh. I saw the audio book length, it said it was just over nine hours. And I feel like these, these books have been getting short, Mike. I mean, I don't, I don't know if it's you true. noticed the same, Ben. Um, they have. They're just, you know, they, if you, what if you, if you put out Consent to Kill Now, would would, uh, would the kids not read it? Like, are, are the kids actually reading these things? Or are they just they're trying to preempt for the future, you know, trying to get more kids to read it? I don't know. I don't know, but I really like when they're like that 500 to 600 page range seems to be a really good length for thrillers. Just there's a lot of substance and there's a lot of things you can do with those extra 200 pages. So it's what, right. 387 pages the Oath of Loyalty? Yeah, I, I wanted... Uh, well, the arc, I don't know what the... Yeah, uh, what the... Uh, 358. Wow. So on the shorter side. Yeah. I do wonder, uh, is that a trend that's intentional? I think it might be. Yeah, I mean, like, what are, like, I just have another, I have a Brad Taylor book. Um, this this one's like five, Enemy of Mine's 59, 534 pages. So it's like, yeah, I feel that's like one of his earlier books. more be, standard mm-hmm. in the past. Yeah, because yeah, that gives you that 11-ish hour, 12-ish hour audiobook. Right, right. So You could also, though... It could backfire. I I don't want to throw shade, but of the Jack Carr, I think The Devil's Hand might have been my lowest ranked, and I believe it's the longest, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So well, it, it could be a double-edged sword. Jack's a different writer right. than Kyle. Like I think a lot of his, he gets super technical in his books, yeah. and I think that can add to the feeling of length. Um, it's interesting that he's super technical, but I think that adds some to the length. Yeah. And, and I just heard something this last weekend was, I think it's BoucherCon. Did you probably saw that all over social media? Yeah. Up in like Minnesota or whatever. Right. Yeah. The huge conference of of authors and and mystery. I think it's mainly crime mystery, but lots of thrillers Mm -hmm. too. I wish I could remember who was doing the presentation. I, I wasn't lucky enough to be there, but one of the presenters, a well-known author, the name's not coming to me, posted his slides with a few tips. And one one that I saw, I just automatically said, that's Kyle Mills. And then when I read Oath of Loyalty, it, it was so pertinent. Listen to this. Write your fast scenes slow and your slow scenes fast. Uh... And as I'm, as I'm reading Oath of Loyalty, the dialogue scenes 
which sometimes would just last so long and, and have so much fluff and so much like explainer just trying to, you know, dumb down the audience. I have to tell you everything because you don't really get it. His his dialogue scenes were just like really, really tight. They were tight where every word, every interaction back and forth and the tells of the, the character's body language had a purpose, had a meaning that fit their character. And then the action scenes, which go by so fast in a flash, were drawn out. Like the, the two attacks, I don't want to say too much, but at the houses very early in the book, they were drawn out. It was getting every last uh-huh. detail. I almost felt like the action slowed down and you're there operating with Mitch because for these guys on the ground, I'd imagine time slows down and they can read that battlefield so clearly. And by making those scenes longer, I just felt like that was so Kyle, right? Your action scenes slow and your slow scenes fast. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just... Uh, uh, trivia here. Can you guys guess how long the audiobook was for Consent to Kill? I, I'm, I think I'm going over 15 hours, would be my guess. I think it was like 1740 yeah. or something like that. Yeah, you 17, six, 17 hours, 16 minutes. Woof. So, Woof. the current book was nine hours. So, that means like almost Consent to Kill was two, two oaths of loyalties. That's crazy. Wow. Yeah, it's definitely a trend. It's it's got to be a trend that like you know they're, they're well. Pretty- I mean, they're trying to pump out a book a year right now. Like exactly, that's yeah, a lot of could- writing. I think that's they're trying to push books out. So I mean, it takes them a little bit. I don't know, less time to write in that realm. I think a five hundred page book might take closer to a year and a half if you're trying to develop a story. Truly, that's true. Right. I think a lot of people would take Consent to Kill as the height, the pinnacle of the Mitrap series, and it's so meaningful and so important. Are there moments, Ben, where, as someone who just you know crunched the series, are there moments that stand out to you? Are there what, what would you say are like the key defining moments in Mitch's life in the you know in your opinion that that really really stand out to you? Mm. I mean. Obviously, Anna. Um, I think an act of treason and like into protecting the family, he's going through kind of that black hole of his life and realizing that like that's where you really start to see him. As an American assassin, he talked about he was never going to be like Stan Hurley. And like you kind of see that development into that angry, bitter, spiteful, vengeful man. Uh, so I think that the consent to kill act of trees and protect and defend just kind of his depression. Um, let's see. Stan dying, I think really hit him. Um, and it's all the tragedies. I mean, Stansfield going. Oh yeah. Um, the early days. Stansfield. Yeah. I, I would love to have a side story of Stansfield. Um, but kind of him dying in the fight to get Irene into office, into her position as director. I think that really was a time where he saw just how terrible the government was working and how it wasn't like he was starting to see a big tide turn of this is kind of the way the country's going. It's no longer going to be fighting for America, but fighting for political gain and power. Um what would you say about Mike Nash's introduction? You mentioned extreme measures earlier. 
How did you feel about that book? Because it's it's friggin' incredible. It's a great book, but a lot of people were concerned Mitch took a back seat. What, what what's your take on Mike Nash? This might be a terrible take. I hate Mike Nash. What? Wow. Okay. I, I think he's the absolute worst character in the series. Whoa. Is that? Uh, did you have that feeling before Enemy? Before Enemy at the gates, yeah. Yes, because yeah. well, this is gonna this is gonna sound like I'm just a redneck, but he's so soft. <laughs> like Mitch does kick see, his ass. <laughs> no, so you're picking up on something that I that I picked up, and I we I sort of like hashes out with Mike, and I I tried to we, we said it on the pod last year. It makes complete sense why Mike would turn the way he did. Yeah, because he doesn't have because his spine. All the books leading up to it, there, Kyle and Vince were dropping these hints. Yes, you know, sort of sending them down that path. And like, oh, in, in might the very be beginning, the we. Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. Uh, no, I was just saying, like, oh, he's going to be in the president's office one day. He does really well meeting with the politicians. He like all. It was just a a breadcrumb tra- trail of trashiness like uh i i do not like his character because he didn't he didn't have principles really um he never had a true set of values explained like what he believed it was just kind of what situation was he in how could he navigate that yeah maybe we should have been more skeptical of the whole idea of oh he could be president because we were we're trained to think that you know mike you said it all the time the politicians are secondary villains so the and fact he was that slinking into that, he was slinking into that. Then we should have known that he was going to become eventually become right. a villain. Yeah, no, this is and perfect. Irene, yeah, you got to trust Irene. Irene had suspicions the whole way through, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. her intuition yeah. is is nothing to you know mess around with. It's it's always spot on. Well, and even in Pursuit of Honor, wait, which is the one where the counterterrorism centers attacked? Yep. Well, end of, honor. end of extreme measures. Yeah, end of pursuit of honor. Pursuit of, pursuit of honor. Yeah, I think okay. the press conferences begin in pursuit of honor. Right, beginning. Right, right. Um, he didn't really do anything there either. Like I, I get that Mitch wanted to get him out of the life, and but he, he didn't do anything. He never really did anything. Right. Hot take. No, I there agree. it is. Hot take. Mike Nash sucks. <laughs> <laughs> I think it makes him a compelling character, though, and and I'm on record on the podcast really loving him. I I think even if I I, I agree with your points and they're all valid, I think I liked him being dropped into the series because I think the series needed that that gray zone where Vince was Mm -hmm. always politicians, bad, evil, money Mm -hmm. themselves. Irene Mitch, CIA intelligence, good. You know, I think he brought in the real life drama of what happens when a family man does have the skill set and experience. He was a Marine. And if I'm not mistaken, was he force recon? But he he was a Marine. So he had the skills. But when he's got to operate like a Mitch, then and you got the family, like, I'm glad he was put in those shoes of I have to make hard decisions. And often I'll make the wrong one. But by making the wrong one, I'm I'm justifying it because I have an outside life. My my job, yeah. it, you know, protecting America is not my primary job. I'm a dad, you know, like, and I think putting that in there, love him, hate him long term, seeing what happened in enemy, probably hate him. But I think he's a very compelling character for the series oh, yes. that I, was necessary. In the series, I'm glad he's in the series. Like, I don't wish he wasn't in the series. He's a, an integral part of the series. I just, 
him as a his true character, what he was, I just was not a fan of. But no, I mean, his character and the development and going through everything, it was a great part of the series. Yeah. Okay. Um, and I think at the end of Enemy of the Gates, I don't think we've seen Mitch deal with that yet. Um, right. Which I think is going to be interesting if that comes out in the next book or in the next, but that's going to be something he's going to have to deal with. All right. Here's another hot take. Maybe this will get the okay. crowd going here. Or maybe Chris, I know you'll light up with this one. <laughs> Is Marcus the best character in the series? <laughs> I know Chris, he's you love him. Awesome. Um, he's uh, underutilized he's, though. He's, like, under, I, he's, I, he's underutilized. Especially he's, by Kyle. Yes. Yeah. Well, and I think, his kind of awkward, sheepish, timid demeanor brings some, like you see a more protective side of Mitch when Marcus is around. Um, and I don't know, have y'all actually read the entire Brad Thor series? Like in the, as individuals, yeah. he, he's kind of what the troll is to. Right. Uh, I was just going to say that. But in, um, without the, what their history, but just kind of that relationship of their family because of what they went through and how they got together. Um, yeah. Marcus is awesome. Yeah. I, I was, I was literally going to say that. Like I, I want Kyle and to treat him and I wanted Vince to treat him more like how Brad treats the Thor, treats the Thor, treats the troll. Um, oh, Nicholas because, is one you know, of the greatest characters. Cool compare Yes. Uh, hands. That's besides, um, Scott, the troll is hands down the yeah. best character in that series. Yeah, yeah I, don't, I don't know why Kyle is, you know, is I guess spoiler, Mike. The, Marcus isn't even in this book. Like, okay, I didn't know? think so. I didn't think he would be, but I, yeah, okay, yeah. But like, and there's times where like he's been what an enemy. He was in there for maybe like a chapter, like quick second. Yeah. So yeah, I don't know. It just, it, I guess it's just it's the I. You got to be vibing with the character, and if you're, if you're not doing it, then. But there's a ton of other quirky characters that Kyle has that he brings in, right. and you, Fred you know, Mason. You, you, you guys. What be... book was it with Marcus, where he um, he was in a limo with Irene and Mitch, and he had done something in a super quick amount of time. Oh, that might have been Enemy at the Gates. Because they're looking for when the he mole. like I, the, yeah the iPhone the they call it right. Apple. Um, he's able to like break into someone's phone, right? I don't know. Well, I know who do they use to track down the mole? Oh, know, that does was he like put a little, together the uh, fake intelligence package. And in, oh no, I think Irene does that single handedly, or maybe she has Marcus do it. It's it's literally just like a three sentence little interaction. But he's like, "No, I was only able to do this, 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 and this." And Mitch looks at him and he's like, "Wait, you did it?" <laughs> and uh, Irene was like. I'm sure he's been practicing that all morning. Yes. It was yes. just, it was a very funny little humorous. That's right. Yeah. yeah. Yep. Yeah. He's a underutilized character for sure. For sure. For sure. Last episode, Chris, you and I talking oath of loyalty. We've got hashtag Fred Mason for president. And this time we've got hashtag bring back Marcus demand. Yes. That, that is <laughs> trending ASAP. Bring back Marcus. We're going to have to talk to Kyle about, about that next week. Yeah, we got Kyle oh, next yeah. week. We got to ask him about Marcus Demond. We have to. What's he yeah. doing? Where's he been? What Ooh. does he do on a daily basis? Deep cut. Claudia and Mitch 
have him secretly setting up some sort of network for them to use, knowing that they're going to be outside the American government, persona non grata. He's secretly, he's on a secret mission holed up somewhere where nobody will find him. And Mitch is going to be the only one who knows how to use him and contact him. And that's how Mitch is going to get shit done with no backing. Evil Carlton group, not evil. Yeah. Secret Carlton group. Expat Carlton group. Yeah, something like that. The Dumond group. The Dumond group. (laughs) All right, here's here's another hot take since these are really getting us going here. Is there a Scott zone? And here's what I mean by that. I've kind of felt for a while, and maybe this is okay. Maybe it's his role. Has Scott Coleman just been relegated to this, you know, everything man, you know, call him when you need him and he'll just solve your problems, which yes, that's what his company is about. I get it. But at the same time, there's been like two or three times in this book where he calls up like, Hey, I need an extract from my house. And, and, and he's like, where are you? He's like, I'm 15 minutes from my house in South Africa. And Scott's like, okay, get somewhere safe. 15 minutes. I'll have you out of there. And the last few books, it was like, just call up Scott. I like that role. And and that is his company, Seal Demolition. But is there almost like a Scott zone? Like, are you being like the friend zone? Are you being put in the Scott zone of just you stay over here until I need you? And only when I need you, will I call you up? Yeah. And I feel like he masks it as Mitch masks it as trying to protect him from operating outside the bounds, protect his company. And I think, I mean, obviously it's intentional, but I, I don't know that if it's a matter of the circumstances he has to be that way so he can stay above board and still work since he's earning money through his company or if mitch just doesn't want to put him in complete overt danger um especially i mean after what happened with grisha wolf right yeah (sighs) so to sort of piggyback on what you said mike do you also feel that scott's do you guys feel that scott's um scott has leveled up over the years in terms of his capabilities and in terms of him as an operator, like I, but I, but then I have to think back to like, you know, he's the one who planned the entire attack in term limits. So I I think back to that. I'm like, all right, he's obviously a pretty capable operator, but there's at times recently where he's almost better, like the way Kyle describes him or whatever his actions. And particularly there's a scene in, in, we haven't talked about it yet, Mike, so I guess we can't really go into it. But, you okay. know, it's just like, holy shit, Scott is literally better than Mitch, you know? So is there a Superman complex? Yeah, o- almost. He's he's a little bit OP now. Scott's almost OP. Yeah. You know, he's, he's way overpowered. Well, I, I don't want to stop you guys from uh, getting to Oath of Loyalty. So I'll definitely let that happen. Uh, I just got to ask. I kind of think I know, but who's your best non-Mitrap character in the series? Or your your favorite, Ben? Either Stan or, um, oh my gosh, President Alexander. Alexander, okay. Uh, I like Alexander. I really, I, Alexander was a really cool character. He's a good ally. But, yeah. Stan was just awesome. You like him because he he played for Alabama, or uh, are you, so you're from Alabama, or you're from Tennessee. I'm from Alabama, so I've been an oh, okay. Alabama Crimson Tide fan my whole life. But I've now lived in Tennessee longer than I lived in Alabama, and my wife's from Knoxville, and we just moved to Knoxville so I can go to games. And this okay. is the first year that I'm really uh, go Vols. 
Oh, okay. okay. A big hubbub. All right. Well, so, let me let me back out here. I'll let you guys run with oath of loyalty. Uh, just Chris, wait, text wait, me b- before yeah. you go, Mike. We we got to know your opinion. Have you seen the American Assassin movie? Oh yeah. That was so I take that as a yes. Yeah. Uh-oh. <laughs> it was. Uh-oh. It was disappointing. I mean, I liked, I liked the actors and stuff, but like, the story was a little. The story was too exceptional to be something that would, like, I don't know. I just. I'm glad they made it. I wouldn't have made it that way. You can say it's crap. Right. Like, be be our guest. You're, you're absolute to trash. It is. <laughs> garbage but taylor kitsch was pretty cool but other than that ghost yeah and and i i like the casting of uh what's his name you know he fits this idea of a of a lacrosse player you know who turned into you know who could eventually bulk up and pull like a chris pratt or you know chris hemsworth right um yeah especially when he was younger before he spent so much time in the middle east absolutely right 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 and michael keaton i mean uh, to me that's dan hurley honestly yes yes um i thought the the story and just kind of the the nuke at the end wasn't necessary yeah oh my god yeah yeah (laughs) just going over the cresting the wave Yeah, we were harsh on that movie, weren't we, on our pod, Chris? Have, I don't know if you listened, Ben, but we ripped it a new one. Although I heard uh, earlier today, Kyle, while he's in Minnesota, was on a, a local radio station there. And I, I was listening in because they had it recorded on their website, one of the interviews. He was asked, you know, what do you think about the future of, you know, Mitrap series on film or on TV? And. Yeah, he didn't. He didn't. He said he's not privy to any plans about that or anything. But he's like, if it happens, I'd be an advocate of bringing Dylan O'Brien back and a lot of the actors. And I was like, okay, I I don't know if I'd like to see that for an older Mitch. It worked for the Laxbro thing, but there's only two books when he's that age. And I'm like, I I don't know if I'd want to see that for this stage of Mitch Rap. And then I really don't want to see Irene Kennedy. So that would that didn't work for me. Me either. Yeah. That wasn't Irene. You know, you said you're a Jack Carr fan. What about Terminalist? Did you see that TV oh, show? So that's that's how they would have to do a Mitch Rat book as a TV series. They could not do movies. It would have to be a series. I think they did a really good job of making it for television. I think the action scenes were great. A lot of the action scenes were pretty close to how they were described in the book, except for the beginning. Um, that would have been sick to see on film, though. But yeah, I thought it was really, really well done. Um, Chris Pratt might not have been who I thought James Reese would look like. Yeah, um, and I, I mean, I thought it was a really good, a well done series. But some of the casting, I think, is interesting, and the way they ended the movie with, uh, oh. Taylor Kitsch, what was his character's name? Um, ben, Ben Edwards. Ben, ben. Yeah, ha, yeah, Ben. Um, I thought that storyline throughout the series was a little not quite what I would have wanted. Um, but I thought it was very well done. I thought it was a very good show. They respected the source material for the most yes. part. And having Jack yes. on set, you know, they respected the author. And I feel like yes. Hollywood often doesn't even get that far. So that's, you know, that's a good benchmark to get to. Yeah. 
but no, yeah, it was an incredibly well-made show. It was a very, I mean, as a fan of the book, it was great, but I'm, uh, I've learned through reading these past few months that I prefer the books over any sort of adaptation that could be had. Of course. Cause you get so much more in the book, just detail and everything. Yeah. It's hard to find like really good adaptations. Yeah. Yeah. I'll be interested to see if, you know, they still haven't, they still haven't greenlit a second season. Um, or at least they, they haven't announced it, uh, whether or not it actually is, um, which is kind of surprising considering how well it was received by the audiences. Obviously the critics had their own bullshit thing to say, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see if they now follow this up with, you know, the next book, because the next book is very different and, you know, would give a very different feel in terms of how that season would go. Uh, well, and the boat like, he's on is completely different. Like that's not right. going to make it to, <laughs> to the seashells <laughs> and then all the way to, you know, Mozambique. Right. So, yeah. Interesting. Great book though. True believer. Oh. Book number two to me was fantastic. Oh yeah. That was a great story. Just that. I mean, Everything that happened in Mozambique was cool. Um, it was a great book. Total tonal shift. You're right, Chris. To see that on screen would just require a whole different mindset and philosophy going into the filming than the dark grittiness of how they filmed season one, uh, the Terminalist mm-hmm. series. I could see, like, you know, I'm not a huge fan of flashbacks, but what you could do is to keep people engaged is to set up the story of the whole you know, president assassination slash, you know, all these terrorist attacks have that go from the jump and then sort of intertwine his time in Africa and his time in the sea as like, you know, various flashbacks or whatever, because I, I, I could see like people just, if you did, you know, what it's eight, eight episodes, you'd have to do at least two, three episodes, you know, or, you know, probably two of being in Africa and people might just not be down, you know, down for, being out of the action, you know, so, mm-hmm. know. it'd be interesting. To I, see. I love the Africa scenes though. And to me, it would perhaps redeem my least favorite part of the TV show, which was him shooting up the steps of San Francisco, like as domestic terrorists run wild through a city and then killing in Hartley's office at the end. He's, he's just kind of descent mm-hmm. into madness. Right. It didn't mm-hmm. seem like madness for revenge. It just seemed like a, a whole, I'm losing my mind kind of madness. And I feel like his time in Africa could be so therapeutic to watch mm-hmm. Chris Pratt transform himself and, and essentially revive the character of James Reese from this massive descent we saw him on in the last few episodes of the show. Like, it'd just be a really redemptive, therapeutic thing to watch him on the ground in Africa regain this sense of purpose and mission in life. And I, I just feel like it would be it would be a really deep level of acting to watch Chris Pratt do that. So anyway. Yeah. Well, guys, anything else before I back out and let you talk oath? Yeah, you need to hop off so we can talk oath. All right, <laughs> all right. Chris, just text me and uh, and I'll, and I'll be back when you can use me. All right, Mike good. was great talking to you. I'm so bummed. I'm missing. <laughs> okay, right. I know this is this is a rare reversal of roles. Normally, I'm the one dragging my ass to, to finish the book. <laughs> and you're the one who's texting me. What'd you think? What'd you think? You know. So read more. Hurry up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, school. We'll have school to talk about started. it after Mike. Yeah, yeah, we'll do that once once the uh, school year starts. I'm out. So, all right, have fun. All right. So, 
spoiler time. Oath of Loyalty. All right, first reaction. What You said it was one of your favorites. What did you think? What did you like about it? It just, it's almost um, like a rebirth of Mitch and Irene, and it's breathing new life into the series. Because Kyle hasn't really aged mitch or irene or any of the people in his in his books it might be a year or two and i think it's setting up for a whole new arc and just kind of development of the characters i thought it was just really well done the dialogue is awesome um yes the action scenes i mean they dumped a bomb out of a plane just out the side of a plane I mean, that's just that's ridiculous, and I it's awesome, and um, I think Kyle really just brought a really cool humor to some of the characters that has kind of brought a little bit of youth back to Mitch to kind of reinvigorate for a new stretch. Yeah, no, I, I would I would agree with you on all that. I think um, my sort of hot take about the book is that it's not not that I don't like it. I, I really like it. I really thought that it was very well written. And I like the storyline, but my, my, and you know, it's kind of goes hand in hand. What we were saying earlier about the shortness of the books, this is not a book. It, it is a really long prologue, you know, or, or, or a coda in the series to, all right, he's been building up. He built up this, you know, did this humongous act of killing off Mike Nash. And now we need to sort of have a reset, right? I guess you can, sure it's a book and I'm, I'm being, I'm, I'm being an ass, but like it, it gave him a nice opportunity to do a whole reset oh, yeah. and while still giving us a little bit of action, you know, here or there, there was, you know, there was quite a bit of action. And like, you know, in the beginning where we're going over the, the scene where he goes to, um, where Mitch has to, you know, get out from his house where he has to yeah, you know, get down to his little safe room, kill all those guys in South Africa. And then, like you said, the, the, the Guatemala scene, which is very short. I, 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 I wanted to be longer, but then at the same time, it's like, no, it's actually pretty perfect. You know, just it, mm-hmm. he gets in, gets out, drops a freaking and like the callbacks, you know, like he, he calls back to when they, they're able to get that bomb because Scott saved the, the country of Lithuania. Right. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. And we get Grisha back. Like, I've been wondering about where, where the hell Grisha went. We, you know, we, we get some dialogue from Grisha. I just, I really enjoyed all the callbacks, all the nostalgia from the series as a whole. He even says when he goes to the the White House, he mentions this is where it all started for him, right? And he was the, the he was meeting the president in a bunker not too far from the previous bunker where he saved the, another president. Mm-hmm. Um but yeah, no. Just to be hot takey, I was saying that it's. I was. I was gonna say it's not. It's not a book. But um, no, I. I really liked it. I, I think that it now gives them almost a blank slate. Well, I think that's what one of the reasons I liked it so much is because that it could have been just an emotion of the moment. Whatever. So I, I read so many books so fast. This kind of led into the culmination after like. This is the really the first big peak of Kyle's writing career with a book, with a series. Right. Um, like Mike Nash dying. This is like it was so much nostalgia and so much groundwork for where it's going to go. I think it just really connected with me because I had just gone through so many of the books and now it's like we've reached this point. And now where's Mitch gonna go from here? Kind of thing. Yeah. So question, do you think the cooks are, are completely done? Are we're never gonna see them again? 
that's my probably my biggest complaint about the book is how he went out like why is he alive like right i wanted what, to see legion in action like get get him oh, somehow you know like have an epilogue yeah. where legion actually you know gets him or something i don't know or mitch kills him like i don't care yeah. how he dies but he's got to die one um but maybe they spin the whole tragic he's he's going to die and i think it's going to be a reverse of how like how alexander got elected i think his wife is going to get elected and i think that ugh, i'm terrible with names i've only read through it once the the trillionaire um oh um nicholas ward yeah ward i think this is my prediction i think ward is going to start a Carlton group type thing. Yeah, that's when we, we've been we've been saying that since we we met him uh, in the last book. Me and Mike have like I think yeah. he's going to buy Seal Demolition. Ah, uh, yeah, that's smart. Okay, all right. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm super intrigued to see what he does next. I I, I guess I, I I should shouldn't be complaining. We just got the book uh, two days ago, right? But uh, I'm already ready for next year. But I thought it was a nice tie-in, you know, sort of wrap things up, be able to start fresh. And if he wants, he can literally, you know, pull like a Stu Garrett type thing where Mitch goes back on his word and, and kills him in the first chapter. And then we, we have a completely separate story for the rest of the book. Or I think he could, the cooks could easily come back in as the big bad in yeah. the next book, you know, two yeah. books down the road, whatever. Um, well, so he's leaving himself open. Yeah, and I think a really cool part of the book as well was just how much you saw. This was like the really first substantial time that you saw Claudia, Anna, and Mitch together kind of right. going through what it's like to be a family, how their life's going to work with them having a giant shootout in their house and her being a total bamf and just leading him through that fight. I, that was a great scene. Um, Probably the best chapter of the book. Yeah, Yeah, just like how they're going to work together, what Anna's going to be like seeing her grow up and just really seeing like family Mitch after like he lost his memory and just kind of re-experienced his life as a whole and kind of healing from that, turning into getting what he, I forget who it was, he told the psychiatrist about wanting like a life again. Um, and you're seeing him really commit to that now. Almost kind of breaking down some walls between him and Claudia as far as working together. Right. Yeah, no, I, I didn't even think about that, but we, we, this is probably the book we get the most of family time, you know, um, mm -hmm. they're together the most. For, you know, well, and seeing Irene outside of office, kind of seeing her right. as a person, what her character is outside of the office. I think you, you just, it really is, like you said, a blank slate. He's kind of rebuilding these characters outside of the realm of the government now they're private citizens trying to do good yep no i, I agree i agree awesome now this was great man uh let me text Absolutely. mike get him back in uh we can wrap up here cool mike just texted me uh i want to be in on this so bad <laughs> <laughs> knock 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 can you guys see this this just popped up on my phone whoa what is that one of the guards at the queen's casket just passed out. Oh, no.
Is it safe? Yeah, it's safe. You're safe. You're oh. safe. Yeah, it's safe. Okay. He was just showing me the assassination of... Oh, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> oh, my God. Irene Kennedy becomes president and nukes everywhere? <laughs> no, he was showing me a video of apparently a, a guard passing out at the Queen's uh, funeral or procession, whatever. Uh, One of the guards standing by her casket just fell down the stairs and passed out. Yikes. Yeah. Is that an omen? <laughs> <laughs> Hey, so I asked Chris this on our last episode. I don't know if this is controversial to ask or not, but Ben, what would you say are the odds of Irene Kennedy becoming president? Does it happen? Short term, long term? If she, if she gets with... I don't know if that's a spoiler. I kind of expect that, yeah, so yeah. I'm okay with that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, Sorry. maybe maybe this book maybe this book uh, in it, somehow yeah, maybe the addresses book, that yeah. question. Okay. All right. Yeah, I don't. I don't. I, you already know what's happening. No, but we, I, you were you you know what he was going to say. Like, if she joins Nick Ward, we, we were kind of talking that like right. how yeah. in, which we don't know at the end of this book her her choice. Um, yeah. But I, I I agree with that. If if she joins on with him, then it, like if it, she goes with a private entity of any sort. I I don't think so, um, but if she decides that she wants to go back and fight and try to save the country from the inside, I I hate saying fifty fifty because obviously it's fifty fifty, but I truly think it's a coin flip. Like I I could one hundred percent see her going that route, and I could one hundred percent see her leaving the CIA and trying to do things in, maybe with a private sector area, whatever. Okay. 50-50. All right. Yeah. I'd say less than 50-50. I, cause I don't know that that will be, it'd be such a different relationship with Mitch. I just think it'd be weird. Right. So maybe, but I don't think so. Maybe like 35%. Yeah. Probably. That's I, what we I said, right? More, more 30-70. Yeah. Yeah. I think last time we settled on like 30-60 or 30-70 uh, or 40-60, some, somewhere in that range, yeah. Against that, yeah. most likely not. All right. Well, I appreciate you uh, joining us. Was there anything else you wanted to cover? I mean, we usually end by saying, what do you want to plug? Any books, movie, TV, anything that you've been enjoying lately? Um, honestly, the Brad Taylor series, what I'm reading right now, I actually started – the Brad Taylor series, the Pike Logan series, um, before I started Mitch Rap, and I really did not like the speaking in the first person from Pike Logan's character in the books. Uh, that was really weird for me. I was like, ah, no. I put it down, and then I finished Mitch, and everybody was like, read Brad Taylor's books. And so I started, and I was like, oh, now that I'm used to it, it's cool Like seeing him do what he does. Um, I think Brad's got a great series going on. Um, I really enjoy Pike Logan's character. Right, gotta check nice. those out. Have y'all y'all read any of them? I read a few. I don't remember them at all. It was one of the earlier ones, and it was probably when he first started. So I yeah, haven't kept up. Worth worth a, a read. Get through like the first half of um, One Rough Man, and it gets really really good. People liked American Trader, the more recent one. Uh, I'm only on. Number four. 
Gotcha. Okay, so you'll have the many. series finished by tomorrow morning, probably. Ed, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I have till April. I might read a little bit slower this uh, this winter. All right. Fair enough. So. But yeah, man, yeah, gentlemen, it was great. I appreciate it very much. Yes, sir. Yes, thanks for coming on, Ben. Well, let me just leave you with a um, a tradition here on No Limits. We got a red a, a limerick for you, a, a redneck limerick for you. So to say goodbye, he calls himself the redneck of reason. And loves reading thriller books about treason. How many books in a month? Can he get through in a crunch? Oh, don't you just love new rap book season. Thanks for joining us, Ben. Absolutely, I appreciate it. All right, guys. Uh, we got to thank our patrons, including our special operator, Sherry App, our special agents, Daryl, Kevin, George, Matt, Don, Dennis, Peggy, Catherine, Ray, Bridget, Jeff, and Mark. Please subscribe using your favorite podcasting platform. You can find us at thrillerpod.com or on Twitter and Insta at thrillerpodcast. And as always, just let Mitch be Mitch. Mitch.